Win big in 2021 with Rotoballer.com's MLB Premium Pass. Rotoballer's Premium DFS package includes 15 exclusive tools, daily DFS cheat sheets, hitter projections, pitching planners, DFS value plays, research stations, our lineup optimizer, and so much more to help you win big. You can get access to our premium Slack channel where we chat about some of our favorite plays and strategy right up until lineups lock. For a limited time, get your MLB Premium Pass for 50% off. Use my promo code CATCHER for another 10% discount. It's a real win-win. Strike them out, throw them out. Just visit rotoballer.com slash radio. Sign up today and start rotoballing like a boss. We are live, episode 17 of the Catcher's Corner, part of the Roto Baller family of podcasts. Um, as always, please download, rate, and review. Uh, let us know what we can do to make the podcast experience more useful for you. I'm your host, Eric Samolski. I'm flying solo in the hosting game today. Uh, Sammy's on vacation with his family. We're going to give him some much-needed family time. But we wanted to give you some, some information uh, we know, you know, pennant races are heating up in fantasy seasons. We do have an extraordinary guest for you and a good topic. We are joined by a fellow Roto Baller, uh, Bubba. Bubba, how you doing? I'm doing great, man. Thanks for having me. I'm looking forward to this. Uh, 17 episodes. You guys are moving right along. It just felt like the other day that you, you kickstarted this thing. So congratulations on that. Thank you. You know, you were the... You were the first podcast I ever did. You had me on bench with Bubba, uh, the, like right in the beginning when I started doing this thing. Um, you, you know, provided some valuable advice and insight for me when we started to get this thing off the ground. So, you know, I really appreciate all all your help along the way. Yeah, no doubt about it. And uh, I'm looking forward to to chatting up some some category topics today. First off, your co-host is lucky to have a vacation. It's 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 gutsy baseball season. You know, it's it's a long season, summertime. It gets a little little dicey, but uh, take the family out. That's a very good thing to do. So good for him. Yeah, you know, I think you get the whole like family vacations. You know, can be both great and and exhausting at the same time. So you know, it's a it's a bit of a break a break and a bit of not so much of a break. But 100%. you know. I know he wanted us to get through these and, and give people some information. So, um, Bubba, before we dive in, why don't you tell people, you know, where they can find your work and, and what you spend a lot of your time covering? Yeah, I'm on Twitter at BDentric, and I tweet way too much stuff there. So you'll find all my content there, plus goodness knows what else. But uh, you know, most of my content's at rotoballer.com. I write uh, DFS, MLB DFS five days a week. NFL's around the corner, so I'll have some stuff there as well. I do the uh, MLB DFS Quick Hits podcast five days a week as well, Monday through Friday. That'll drop for you late the night before. And then Bench with Bubba coming out with you twice a week, approaching uh, 400 episodes there. So it's been kind of a quite the fun one there. But twice a week, uh, Tuesday nights, usually every Tuesday night with uh, Toby Batflip Crazy, who was on your show recently. Yeah. And then Thursdays, I have a, a special guest each week. So lots of content. And you can find me doing more stuff. I got all kinds of goofy stuff. But that's the main gist of it. 400, man. That's uh, That's impressive. It flies uh, by once you get grown. <laughs> yeah, I, w- I will say, you know, if, if people are DFS players, um, I highly recommend Bubba's podcast. I think, you know, Bubba's podcast, along with the, you know, the resources we have at Rotoballer have been super helpful for me this year and in, in kind of honing my, you know, my skill. It is very different than just like, hey, I play season long fantasy baseball, so I know this guy's good, so I'm going to put him in my lineup. Um, you know, I think narrowing down the resources you use, it's it's been helpful. So the, the plan for today, 
Uh, Bub and I are going to talk about category specific ads. Um, guys, you could pick up on the wire that could, that wire that could help you in specific categories down the stretch. Um, these are all going to be guys that are avail widely available. So what that means is going to be 50% rostered or less um, in Yahoo League. So some of them will be guys that are pretty much only like 12 team specific, and then others will, will be deeper league uh, type guys. But before we dive into specific names, um, Bubba, wh why do you think it's so important at this time of year for people to be to be focusing on categories when making their waiver claims and not just on, I like this guy or this guy is a good player. I'm going to make sure he's on my team. Well, cause there's, there's a few things this year has been chaotic to begin with, with injuries and everything else. And it's already getting worse. It's starting to feel like we're seeing COVID season 2.0, just like last year coming at us. So you need to focus on what your roster needs, not just like, Hey, this is cool. Like um, I've, I've talked about in recent weeks, there's guys that I really like, like a couple weeks ago, I think he's even on the outline. I could be wrong. Abraham Toro, love the guy. Absolutely love his talents. He didn't fit my roster, so I didn't bid on him. Like, I would love to have him on my team. It just didn't work out for what I need on that team specifically. So team-specific category needs is very key because uh, you mentioned, you know, head-to-head -head formats. That's That can vary what you're needing there. A lot of guys play Roto and FBC, stuff like that. And you got to start looking at – you should have already looked by now, but you can have a better idea now on what categories you have a realistic chance of maybe gaining a point or two. Maybe not winning the category, but just gaining a point or two goes a long ways. But also look at when you're doing that, are you hurting your other categories? That's been a topic we've talked about a lot lately because, you know, you see the one shiny prize here and you forget about everything else behind you. And that's where grabbing certain players can affect things. So you really want to look at the stats. You want to, and we're going to talk about specific stats. At the same time, if you're going for one specific stat, don't forget the other ones because there's four stats for each hitter and five or five for each hitter and five for each pitcher. So it's a, it's a fine gamble we take i'll say i was gonna say art yeah. it's a gamble <laughs> because you never know what these guys do like hey i added edward Oliveras everywhere this past week yeah. and the royals went full royals again and i'm just i'm heartbroken slash i'm actually more angry than anything because it's, it's ridiculous but he fit my team needs and now he's going back to the waiver wire so it's a very fickle thing we play it's fantasy baseball we love it but you got to remember to stay there's there's stay focused on what your team needs not just like the shiny new toy yeah, I, I have no idea what they're doing with Oliveris. It's It confuses me to no end. Um, I do love that you use the word realistically because I think it's important to, to understand what is conceivable for you to make up, right? Making up, you know, five, six, seven wins is going to be a lot easier than making up, you know, 0 0.040, you know, uh, way up points in your ratio or ERA, right? We know that ratios are harder to come back on. In particular – you know, everything went wrong for me in my home league with, with saves this year. Um, and I'm down in saves. I made a trade that got me Jordan Romano, but I had the chance to move Jordan Romano to get Chris Sale. And I'm looking at my my standings and I'm realizing I need to make up 10 saves just to earn one point. And the reality of earning more than one point is trying to make up, it was at that point trying to make up 16 saves. The idea of making up 16 saves in a month and a half is going to be super difficult. Especially so, right, exactly. So if I give up Jordan Romano, I get Chris Sale. Maybe that helps me in other categories. So that idea of realistic uh, expectations is something we want to keep in mind here. Yeah, definitely. Uh, so we're going to start with hitters. Um, we are going to do this for at for batting average specific leagues. Um, we'll rush through. Or we'll go through this first one quickly. I know some people are, are in OPS leagues or OBP leagues. Um, so the three names we have. For batting average specific guys, uh, these are stats over the last 30 days. 
Um, Rafael Ortega is hitting 413. Josh Harrison is hitting 350 and actually playing a lot more in Oakland than I thought he would. And Lorenzo Cain is back and hitting 341 for the Brewers. Um, of those three names, Bubba, if you were going for batting average specifically, is there a guy that jumps out to you? It's 100% Rafael Ortega. And I like these other guys. Don't get me wrong, but um, I'm biased because I tried to grab Ortega everywhere two weeks ago. I got him in a lot of places. But um, I love everything about this this guy. And uh, if you dig down deeper to like the prospect experts out there, which I do not claim to be, but um, they talk about his hit tool in the minors. He looks in AAA. All of a sudden, he's pretty much trying to forget average the whole time. Then AAA, you saw the power-speed combo jump as well. So you're getting this guy that's going to lead off for the Cubs. Yes, it's a abysmal Cubs lineup now. But you still have Wilson Contreras behind him. You have a couple pieces up top left. So he'll have some protection there. They're going to pitch to him. He's going to play every day. He's even playing versus lefties most of the time. So if he gets a day off, it'll probably be a lefty. But for the most part, he's playing every day, leading off, hitting for great average. The doubleheader on Tuesday, he went five for seven. Like, and then one of those games was against Willie Peralta or Freddie Peralta. So it's he's just been absolutely outstanding. The average, he's not going to hit 413, but he could legit hit over 300. And he's got to throw in some power and speed. Like, he is a phenomenal asset to your fantasy team down the stretch. Kind of the kind of guys you don't find every day. Um, but I, so he'd be my one guy here. I will throw out there though, like, I love Josh Harrison and I grabbed him in a few places. He got hit on the wrist on Tuesday. X rays were negative. So that's a promising sign. The reason why I love Josh Harrison, and this is where the team dependency thing comes into play. That's why I wanted to mention him. If you're good in the outfield, Harrison plays outfield, like second base, third base, and with all these injuries coming up, he might be more valuable to your team than Rafael Ortega. And that's why you need to look at that because he's been hitting fifth for the A's. He's playing a lot because Ramon Laureano decided he needed a little extra pop in, in him to uh, to be successful. So Harrison's going to play a ton. And I think he's a, he was great in Washington. He's going to be great in Oakland. So if your team needs something else, you just want that flexibility, which I – I might cherish a lot more than uh, other analysts out there. Like that's a big thing yeah. for me. And so far this year it's helped a ton. Um, I, I could see you going Harrison over Ortega. Yeah. I, I dropped Harrison in a, in a 15 team league right after the trade deadline, because I thought there go his everyday at bats. And clearly I'm, I'm regretting it because, you know, he's worked him his, he's worked his way in there um, in a, in a lineup. That's, that's good. I mean, you know, even when the Nats were full strength, you know, I think they were a comparable lineup with Soto and Turner and all those guys. But the A's lineup is really strong. Um, you know, I, I think one of the knocks on Ortega is that he's 30 years old, right? And, like, if he's that good, why haven't we seen it? And it's funny, when you look back at his Fangraphs page, you realize part of the reason why we haven't seen it, I mean, his numbers in, in AAA and the high minors have been really good. He was, from age 23 on, he's been on the Cardinals. He's mm -hmm. been on the Angels. He's been on the Padres. He's been on the Braves. Um, so these are not exactly organizations where it's really easy to break in, in particular at the outfield spots. Yep. So, you know, I would just urge people not to say, hey, if he's, you know, if he's 30 years old and he's that good, why haven't we seen him before? Um, I don't know that he's 331 good. You know, he is rocking a 418 Babib right now. But based on everything we've seen, there's no reason why he can't be a high 200s, you know, 280, 290 type of hitter hitting at the top of a lineup. And, you know, you talked about it before about this crazy year. You get a guy hitting like 270 this year, and that's a major boost for your batting average based on what the league batting average is right now. And for those ageist people out there, because there are a bunch of them, so I'm glad you brought up Ortega's <laughs> age. Like, and sometimes there's validity, but in this era, like the technology, like I start throwing that out the window now. But if you want to think of a guy like you know out of their quote unquote prime, 
Mike Yastrzemski burst onto the scene at 28 years old. He's 30 right now too. And no one talks yeah. about that anymore. No one does. So you can play baseball. I, once you get like 35, I might start getting a little worried because I, you know, once I hit 35 a while back, I started relating <laughs> to these brains. So, but when you're 30 and with all the technology these guys have, he's going to bounce back. No problem. And especially if you're talking about batting average specific, right? Yeah, we're not exactly. saying, not hey, he's, or anything. Yeah. yeah, we're not saying he's a speed guy. I mean, though, he does have seven stolen bases, so he's helping you there. But, you know, we're not talking about something that's directly impacted mm-hmm. um, by age. Uh, you mentioned power, so we're going to move to power. And this does hit on one of the guys you talked about before. So over the last 30 days, um, the leaders in home runs uh, of guys that are under 50% owned, we have Jack Mayfield, seven home runs. Abraham Toro at six home runs, and then Sam Hilliard at six home runs. Um, I know you mentioned Toro before. Is he the name that jumps out of this trio to you? Yes, it, it, it's tough for me because anyone's followed me long enough and has followed my work at Rota Baller. I think I've written about Sam Hilliard maybe more than anybody that I, I've ever written for. Not that someone else I've ever written for. He's in so many of my articles um, in, the, in the past two years. So I'm going Abraham Toro, though. What I When I dug in on him after that trade to Seattle, because I was one of the skeptics, like, what are the Mariners doing? And then I looked at it, especially after the Diego Castillo trade. I started seeing what they were doing for the future. Made a lot more sense. You look at Toro, he's super young, still, like, way younger than I thought. So that's a big plus in the right direction. Um, so they're going to have him, basically. This isn't an age thing. It's more about they have rights to him for cheap right. for a long period of time. For, for five years, I think. Yeah, that's tremendous. That is a huge – like, you flipped the whole script right there, and you still have a closer, and you have Ken Giles coming back next year. Whole other thing. So they, I, I see what they did now. But when I dug in on him – I'm like, okay, this guy's got a little bit of speed. Oh, he's got some actually good power. Look at his minor league numbers. He's super good. He's, he was once one of their higher prospects. Like, And he's kind of under the radar because he had Bregman. He had Correa. Like you mentioned, Ortega was blocked. Toro's blocked. He was blocked for a long time. Yeah. So I think it's a great move. He's a switch hitter. He hits either, it seems like, leadoff or like fifth. So he's in a productive spot in the order at all times. This Mariners team's actually better than people give him credit for right now because Clinic's starting to slowly hit. Seager's been good. I like Toro a ton, the switch hitter part especially, because he's going to play every single day. He's going to contribute in all five categories. Um, I'm a big Abraham Toro fan. I don't know if the power is like crazy, like six home runs every 30 day legit, but four to six is very, very reasonable. So like with the last seven weeks, give or take, I wouldn't be shocked if it's like seven or eight home runs. Yeah, chipped in a couple stolen bases too. And to your point, you know, he's got 15 runs scored in those 30 days because he's hitting near the top of the order. Um, picked up second base eligibility also going to the Mariners. So that gives you a little bit of added flexibility. Um, you know, the Sam Hilliard thing that you talked about, he was in a waiver wire video that I put out on Sunday because if you look at um, the rolling XWOBA, so just basically the increase in ex-woba over the last 50 at bats he's one of the top five you know widely owned hitters in terms of his rolling ex-woba so his ex-woba growth um over his last 50 at bats the problem is the rockies right um i would i would probably say hilliard over toro if i knew they were both getting every day at bats if you told um, me hilliard was hitting in the middle like fifth or sixth every single day i would be with you on 100 percent yeah. So I think, you know, to a certain extent, it it's it, they both have good power and it comes down to what you need. If you're shooting for like you need everything to break right for you and you want that ultimate upside, maybe you go with Hilliard over mm-hmm. Toro. Obviously, the positions play a role in here, too. Um, are you with me that like I'm just not buying what Jack Mayfield's no. selling? No, I, I'm not buying it. Like It's cool. Great story. We see it a lot. 
if he proves me wrong, I'll just be wrong. I'm good with that. And that's one thing I'm, I'm wrong more than I'm right. That's the beauty <laughs> of this thing. But um, what he does to you, if he's not hitting home runs, his average just drains you. So yeah. he has to, he's like, he's going Adam Dunn on us right now. So he has to keep hitting home runs. Otherwise he's, he's a, a crutch to your team. So I'm with you there. And one last thing, if you want another tiebreaker on Hilliard and Toro, you know, Hilliard's going to have about half of his games in Coors still. And he goes back to Coors all next week. So if you really want to like flip the script in, in a, like, like you said, in a, in a perfect situation, Hilliard would be better than Toro. But yes, no, no Jack Mayfield for me. Yeah. Um, we're going to move on to RBIs. So we have two Tigers on this list, actually. The feisty Tigers offense has really been picking it up of late. Um, so over the last 30 days, we have Akil Badu with 19 RBIs, Miguel Cabrera with 17 RBIs, and one of your giants, Lamonte Wade Jr. with 16 RBIs. So I know we put this on the rundown, and then today it was announced that uh, Badu was going on the seven-day IL for a concussion. Obviously, with all things like concussions, we don't know exactly how quickly he's going to come back. It's feasible he's back within that seven days, and he's right back into the starting lineup. It's feasible that there are some issues, you know, that he, when he's overcoming the concussion, and he may be two weeks. We don't we don't necessarily know. Um, of this group, are you going with your giant, or are you choosing another player? I'm going to go Miguel Cabrera on this one. I like I like Badu, but I'm going to go Cabrera. The biggest tiebreaker between the three is usually Badu and Wade lead off. And that limits your RBI production. They've proven me wrong so far because they've been very productive. But I'm going to go Miguel Cabrera. What he's been doing the last month reminds me of like old school Miggy, 13% barrel rate, almost 56% hard hit rate. His max at EV is one, almost 113. Um, he's hitting the ball like he's you know 10 years younger right now. It's been great. Uh, you mentioned the 257. Over the last 30 days, he's walking almost 11%, striking out like 16%. Everything you want to see from Miggy, he's doing, hitting in the middle of that Tigers lineup, and you said it, and it's very true. Their lineup's much better than people give them credit for right now. Like They have been hitting very, very well. They're not a cakewalk like usual, and um, I, I'd go Miggy on this one, and you can get him in a lot of places. If you play DFS, he's free every day, Like yeah. he's and he, hits, and he hits cleanup, so you can't ask for much more for RBIs. That's true, and and I, that article or that video I mentioned about the you know ex-Oba um, increasers, he was number one. He was number one on that list. I mean, I think what he's been doing over the last month or so of the season has been great. We're not seeing the you know prototypical Miggy power. I mean, he has four home runs over 30 days, which is which is great. We're not necessarily going to see a massive power outburst, but hitting in the middle of an order that I think people underestimate, um, hitting I mean hard line drives, gappers. Um, he's knocking he's knocking runs in. I will say that. I'm way more into Badu than I thought. I think that as a young player, he really did make the adjustment after being exposed in the early part of the year. Everybody was talking about chasing all these pitches out of the zone. Um, and I thought I thought that he adjusted well to it, which I think is important if you're in keeper type formats or you know stuff like that, dynasty formats, because it shows that yes, he was a great like rule five pick story. Um, and a lot of those don't pan out, but he has shown the ability to adjust at the major league level, which I think is super important for, for kind of long-term um, ability. And then I, I do just want to ask you about uh, Lamonte Wade Jr. because he's been another great story, but the Giants have been banged up for a lot of the of the season. They're starting to get a little bit healthier now. We know Brandon Belt just came back, um, and I know this is your team, so you know this pretty well. What do you envision for his playing time going forward? Do you think that because of how well he's playing – 
he'll still get like five out of seven starts, or do you think it might be something more sporadic than that? As of right now, I'm thinking he's playing almost every day right now, which is pretty surprising because if you would have asked me this like two weeks ago, I would have said no way. Like I thought Steven Duggar was like planted in the outfield. He's back in AAA now. Uh, they sent Dubon back a while ago. Uh, Estrada just got sent back down. Now Longo's rehabbing in, in Sacramento, so he'll be back shortly as well. So that'll make another piece of the puzzle that makes things interesting. Uh, but for now, he's going to play. They boom him in the outfield. He, he played like two different. He played right and left field on Tuesday night. He'll play first base from time to time. With belt back, it's more of a belt rough uh, trend, uh, combo over there. So it just kind of depends on what's going on, but they're letting him hit lefties. He started recently the last few games versus lefties. He started to get hits off of lefties for the first time in his career. They like him a lot. I think they like what he can do out there on the base paths. So right now I would say he's playing every five to seven games. Just well, I, You got to see what the roster move is when Longo comes back, though. That's my biggest question because they're running out of, quote-unquote, not regular guys to just hold on to right now. So it's going to be very interesting to see how they handle that. Right, and then obviously because you know with the trade of Chris, for Chris Bryant, Longo goes yep. to third. We imagine Bryant goes to the outfield. Yep. And one thing to keep in mind for people just to pay attention to, it wouldn't be surprising to see the Giants give Longo sporadic playing time at the end oh, of yeah. the year as they head toward the postseason, right? No Making doubt. sure that he's fresh for that. Yep. We got runs now. And I, I really think that runs are a consistently overlooked category in fantasy just because, you know, when you're looking for – good players right you you look for i mean the good players are the guys that we get told about swiping 30 bases hitting 40 home runs usually that comes with rbis the guys that are constantly you know hitting for high averages it's not usually we don't see a guy celebrated we're like oh man this guy's so good he has 120 runs but it's it is a fantasy stat and it counts and it matters and you know it's not always just the guy hitting at the top of the lineup so it is something that we want to keep in mind um part of the reason i mentioned that is because the guy first guy we have on the list is not a prototypical top of the lineup guy um so it was shocking to find him with such a high run total so over the last 30 games uh the leaders and widely available hitters again that's 50 percent rostered or below um miguel sano has 15 runs Brendan Rodgers has 14 runs. Colton Wong has 14 runs. Um, so I just want to ask you specifically about Sano first, because I think a lot of people, myself included, thought that he may have been traded away uh, when the Twins started to realize they weren't competing. Uh, but now he's there. Um, he's gone from not really playing every day to playing every day because they traded off some parts and then Kirilov is out for the year with an injury. Um, we know about the type of power that he has. Uh, we know that the bat can get hot and it can do, you know, it can be a great boon for your fantasy team. But we also know that, you know, he could hit 190 and strike out all the time. Are you at all interested in Miguel Sano? I've been a Miguel Sano fan for a long time. It's just you got to know the caveats you just mentioned. He could strike out a million times. He could go over for like a you know two months. This is what he does when he's hot. He's hot. And most of these stats that you read off for the 30 days deal – it's been over the last 14 games. 12 of his runs are over the 14, four homers, hitting 283, uh, walking 17% of the time and only striking out 25%. So that's Miguel Sano in a nutshell. He's running hot right now, and I would keep running with him. A lot of it has uh, coincided, his increased uh, production, and almost actually the last 30-day window coincides with the starting really cracking down on sticky stuff. So he seems to be a guy that might be appreciating a little less spin and uh, deceptiveness on the baseball, sure, which makes yeah. sense for a heavy strikeout guy. <laughs> So um, this makes a lot of sense when you look at some of these, him, the Hori Solaires of the world, and some others. So 
I'm a huge Chanel fan. And like you mentioned, it's a good point. You wouldn't have guessed him to be the guy leading the runs category. If you said home runs, RBIs, okay, we, we could talk about that. Runs, I would not have guessed. My only concern would be this Twins team looks like they're just kind of getting ready to throw the towel in. Um, that's what yeah. it feels like when you watch them play every day now. It's just like, what are they doing? But if he's available and and you, you need runs, RBIs, or power, like this is a great ad right now. Yeah. Um, I, you know, I will say I had, I had Sano in an OPS league for the majority of the year. Super frustrating. I wound up, you know, including him in the trade. Um, but yeah, this, this is what he does and he can be a useful bat for me, the bat in this trio that jumps out. And I don't know if you agree or not, but to me, it's Brendan Rogers. Um, I think that, you know, he's another guy we talk about prospect growth, not being linear. He was, you know, part of the maybe not next big thing, but a big thing that was going to you know emerge onto the scene. It didn't quite work out for him early on, um, but we're seeing the adjustments that are being made You know, over the last 30 days. He's hitting 333 with four home runs, eight RBIs, 14 runs. He's starting every day for the Rockies, um, which I guess you know they needed him to like grow up a little bit who know they needed him to not be a prospect so they could play him because they hate playing prospects who who knows but he's running hot right now um if i'm not mistaken he's like got a 14 or 15 game hitting streak going as well um so so bubba is this a name that you're you're running out to grab even over a guy like colton wong hitting at the top of a good brewers lineup yeah i'm a huge huge brendan rogers fan just make sure he's healthy he's banged up right now but it, it, when he's healthy, I would take him over Colton Wong. Yes, and I love Colton Wong. Like this list you put out here, it's all it's a lot of my guys right here. So love Brendan Rodgers. I grabbed him in a ton of DCs because I was just waiting for the chance for him to finally play, assuming there'd be a trade or something. Obviously, the Rockies didn't feel like trading anybody at, at the deadline, not named Michael Givens for crying out loud. But um, yeah, I'm a big, big Brendan Rodgers fan. I've kind of I watched him in Single A when he's down the road playing San Jose for a bit. Um, very, very talented, very talented player can play multiple positions, which is nice. Usually when they were playing him, they were also hitting him towards the top of the order more often than not, which is a big, big mm-hmm. plus, especially now that they still have story and Blackman. That's tremendous. So yeah, I'm a big Rogers fan to, to sum it up quickly. Yes, I am a big Brendan Rogers fan. He can, he can help you in all five categories if you really need it. Yeah. Over the, um, since Ju- uh, July 8th. So basically over the last month, he has hit second every single game except for, uh, one actually every single game the two times he didn't hit second he was pinch hitting and actually he hit fourth once which you know is not is not so bad if you're hitting there the rockies yeah i don't know what they were doing they didn't want to be other teams farm systems but they also hate their own farm system so i guess they just have something with farm systems they just don't like it the concept it's gonna be it's gonna be great one of these years one of these years who knows maybe we'll still be alive but um they're going to play all these kids at one time and it's going to be so much fun to watch. Like if pe- people enjoy watching like the Padres and the White Sox yeah. and these teams, the Rockies could be cl- not that that good, but they could be they have so much good young talent. They really do. Like they could they could be a blast and we just don't get to experience it. And they've got some coming up too. Yes. So they could be a fun team if and they we might get just to see, play. What's his name? Veen or whatever. Yeah. We, might, we might see him in uh, 2030. So it'd be fun. <laughs> Who knows? Yeah. yeah. Right, right at the end of his, his of his prime. Exactly. Last offensive category, we're going with stolen bases. Um, over the last 30 days, Miles Straw has six, Adam Engel has five, Gregory Polanco has five, and Miguel Rojas has five. I added a fourth here because um, you can correct me if I'm wrong, but I assume Adam Engel probably out of much playing time 
now now that the the White Sox are fully healthy. Um, unless you think he's still somebody we should consider in in a lot of leagues. Nah, he's he's a deep deep league, maybe a daily moves league type situation because you know on Tuesday he hit second versus a, a lefty, but well, I don't I don't believe he was in Wednesday's lineup, so he's one of those guys that I'll probably pass on Adam Engle. Yeah, I will say he is, you know, since you were bringing it up before, he's an interesting name to to monitor for DFS situations um, when you see him in the lineup because he does have, you know, that power, uh, sorry, that speed has shown flashes of power, um, so he can be useful um, in those situations. Between Miles Straw, Polanco, and Rojas, do you have a fan if you're looking for speed? I am a huge Miguel Rojas fan. Like, ideally, your speed guy, Straw, leading off for Cleveland now, like, they're just going to let him run wild once he gets on base. But Rojas, I like because the one thing we talked about at the very beginning on categories is don't forget your other categories. When you focus on stolen bases, it's one of the worst ones. Like a mile straw could drain you elsewhere real quickly if you're just hoping for stolen bases. Because when he goes cold, he, he hurts you in all five real quick. So he, he could be very productive. He could lead all of these in steals. Miguel Rojas will lead off and be productive in mostly all categories the entire time. That's what you can trust Miguel Rojas for. So I'll take Miguel Rojas on this. I think he's a very, very underappreciated shortstop. He he really is. I feel like nobody talks about him. He would have made the the runs leaderboard too. He's you know over the last thirty days hitting three twenty two. He's got four fourteen runs to go with the five stolen bases. Um, if he's your middle infielder on a team, I think you're in you're in totally good shape. There's nothing wrong with that. Um, I will say, since you mentioned, I have straw in a couple leagues. Um, I was happy when he was traded to the Indians or to the Guardians or whatever we want to call them. Um, I've been pleasantly surprised with him this year because there are some flashes of, you know, a solid overall hitter, not somebody who is going to be to be, you know, somebody that wins you a league, but not a Billy Hamilton. Right. Over the last 30 days, he's hitting 268. Um, He's got 12 runs and six stolen bases hitting at the top of the lineup. That's good. Um, I, I expected the, his roster percentage to be way higher um, given how hard it is to find speed on, on the waiver wire. Um, and he's got, at least in, in some formats, he's got shortstop and outfield eligibility uh, because he had played some infield before. So um, you know, I'm, I'm very much into Miles Straw if he's available on your wire. Let me throw out one more name real quick because uh, he hasn't been around for 30 days, but you're going to hear his name a lot. And I've heard it a couple times in recent days, but on your weekend waiver wire coming up, if you're looking for steals specifically – Yanni Hernandez of the Rangers is going to be very yep. popular. He already had 21 steals in minor leagues. He had 33 in 2019, 44 in 2018. He's a, he's a speedster. Doesn't have any power, though. So if he struggles, he, 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 to me, he's a lot like a Miles Straw to me. Straw has a little more power. Very similar players. Yanni will be second base, third base probably, where Straw is shortstop outfield. So those will be two guys. They're speed demons where these other guys, Rojas and company, can kind of help you a little bit everywhere. Yeah, uh, totally agree. And and I would also just throw out if if you see people in your league getting um, a little bit tired of or they gave up on on Jaron Duran, um, that's another guy I would keep in mind. Um, I think, you know, the rumors of Schwarber playing first base or attempting to play first base um, were confirmed. Um, if he's at first base, then there's not a threat to Duran's playing time um, in the outfield. His last four starts, he's gone Two for five, one for five, two for five, two for five, um, hitting usually first or second in the order. He does, he has popped down to, to ninth a couple times when they do put him in against lefties, but he had no he had no split issues in the minors against lefties. So I really do think that if he gets regular at bats, 
Um, the production is going to come. And I think, you know, we already saw when he hit that inside the park home run or the triple with an error or whatever, that, that this kid has legit speed. Um, so if you see him floating around your wire, he's another stolen base guy that I would yeah. consider. Go pick him up because I dropped him in two leagues this last week because of my, necess- <laughs> my necessities elsewhere. So he's going to have a great rest of the season. Like he's yeah. going to have a phenomenal one. It never fails. I one of those. T- that was one of the tougher cuts I've made the entire season. I had to do it twice. So it was a rough Sunday night, but that's the breaks these days. It is. It is funny how that works out. Yeah. Um, so for the the pitching categories. Um, I decided to leave out wins. I just think it's so hard to really predict wins. I mean, we can try to say like, oh, he's on a good team. He's a better source of wins. We don't really know. Um, And then I did try to keep rate. I just kept ratios together. Um, Oftentimes you're talking about a ratio pitcher. ERA and whip tend to go hand in hand. It's very rare that you find a pitcher who has a really good whip and a horrible ERA. Um, It happens, but it doesn't really work out that way. So we're going strikeouts, ratios, saves. Um, obviously strikeouts is impacted by the total amount of innings that are pitched, but that's part of the game. If you're playing in a strikeout league, the longer, if you have a pitcher that's pitching deeper into games, they're going to give you more strikeouts. If you have a guy that can only go five, um, he's not going to give you as many strikeouts. Uh, so over the last 30 days, uh, the leaders in strikeouts for pitchers who are, uh, under 50% rostered on Yahoo formats are Cal Quantrill, who has 28 st- uh, strikeouts in 30 innings pitched. He also definitely could have uh, qualified in the categories or the ratios uh, category as well. We have Johnny Cueto, who has 27 strikeouts in 26 innings. And we have Josiah Gray, who has 25 strikeouts in 18 innings and is now locked into the national starting rotation. Uh, Bubba, out of these three guys, who would you be rushing to pick up? If you needed strikeouts. I'll say I like Gray a lot, but he has to come second for me. I'm going Cal Quantrill. This is a guy that um, I've kind of been waiting for this in the last couple of years. He's been a a highly heralded prospect of San Diego. Never really got the chance there. So when he got traded to Cleveland, I was very excited. It was a bumpy road to start the year, back and forth in rotation to bullpen. But he's back now. You mentioned 28 Ks and 30 innings pitched. He's gone six or more in four straight innings, one runner less in five straight starts. And now we're seeing five or more Ks in four or five starts. So, that's tremendous. Um, I expect the ratios to come up a little bit more, but even over this stretch, 0.9 ERA, 304 FIP, 396 XFIP, that's very manageable in this era of baseball. I'm more concerned about guys that can get, get those strikeouts, and he's doing that tremendously. So I'm, I'm a big, big fan of what he's doing. Uh, the BABIP's only 234, so that's going to be some regression as well. So like I said, the, the regression with the BABIP will lead to a, a higher set of ratios, but the strikeouts are legit, and the pitch mix change has been legit. So I'm a big fan of Cal Quantrill. And um, the Indians are going to let him throw the rest of the year. They have no reason not to. It's not like he used a lot of innings earlier in the year. They're going to see what they have with this kid, and you're going to be surprised come next draft season when he's um, going much higher than people. They'll be like, whoa, what is this? Well, he earned it is what's going to happen. So I'm a, I'm a huge Cal Quantrill guy, and I'd be grabbing him anywhere you can right now. Yeah, he was a guy that when he when he got traded there, I think people were like, oh, you know, we, we know we've come to expect – some pitching development of the Cleveland organization that they can get the most out of guys and that he maybe has more raw talent, you know, than uh, maybe than even a Zach Plesak, than some guys that, you know, they have obviously, and then like, you know, Sam Henches and JC Mejia and people that they've had up there, but guys that they've, you know, turned into successful pitchers. Um, so I'm definitely in on, on Cal Quantrill as well. Um, I agree with you. You know, obviously he's not a 0.97 ERA pitcher. Um, that's going to come up. I will say I'm, a, you know, 
over these last 30 days, he has a 15.1% K minus walk rate. Um, I do like looking at K minus walk rate a lot to see if this kind of, if this performance is sustainable. Uh, the 8.4% uh, walk rate, which is about three walks per nine um, over the last 30 days, it's bringing down that K per nine or that K minus walk rate number. It is something that I'm, you know, I think maybe makes me personally choose Josiah Gray. And I'm a little bit guilty of, I like the shiny new toy. Um, it's been a, you know, it's been a problem for me in, in years past in leagues where, you know, I, I know what the smart move is, but I dream on, oh, but if it clicks and I have this guy on my team. And, you know, I think that Josiah Gray, he has shown in these starts with the Nationals, the upside that people saw when he was with the Dodgers. Um, obviously, he's also similar to Quantrill, going to get a long run right now. Um, the Nationals are not competing. Uh, they don't have anybody in his way. Um, so there's really no reason that they would they would limit him. Uh, I'm just checking right now. You know, he has thrown – well, actually, he's only he only threw – because I guess because he was injured late. at the start of the year. He started late. So he's only thrown 33.2 innings yep. this year. Um, and he was up over 100 in 2019. Who knows what happened last year in 2020, but there's no innings concerns on him. Uh, so he's going to go. So I, I would choose him of the three, but I did just want to get your opinion on, on Cueto as a Giants fan. I mean, I think Cueto is often overlooked, um, and he's been pretty solid of late. If you're in a 12-15 team league and you just need general good production, are, are you thinking of adding a Johnny Cueto? I think he's a great streamer. Like, do it for the right matchups like this past week. Um, he's, he's got good matchups with – I don't know if he faces Arizona or not, but he, he has a good matchup this week. But if it's like a Dodgers game, I'd say no, something along those lines. But, yes, I, I agree that we've seen really good things with Johnny Cueto. It's just one of those um, – what he does so well is the ratios might not always be there, but he's going to throw innings. Like, I've seen so many starts where my buddies that are Giants fans are texting the WTF Cueto, what do you – like, all this stuff. Like, the first inning will be ugly or something. But somehow he goes six innings and limits the damage and gives up four runs and strikes out six, and life is good again. So yeah. that's what he does well. He's a veteran pitcher. He will get you through innings and eat up innings, which will get you strikeouts. So in the right matchups, I think he's a very good streamer. He's just not a guy I'd put out every time. Yeah. Uh, speaking of veteran pitchers, one actually leads off our, our ratios category. Uh, so we have four arms. First one is Madison Bumgarner. Over the last 30 days, he has a 197 ERA and 0.91 whip. We have Chris Bubich, um, who has a 2.51 ERA and a 115 whip. We have Tylor McGill, who despite uh, some rough starts over the last 30 days, still has a 3 ERA and 1.04 whip. And then we have Merrill Kelly, uh, who over the last 30 days has a 2.86 ERA and a 0 0.95 whip. If you need ratio help, Bubba, which of these four guys are you turning to? Two Diamondbacks on the same list. I know, it's Unbelievable. crazy. Like, go figure <laughs> that one out. Um, this is an interesting list because like most people would run straight to Tyler McGill. I love the kid's pedigree, but if I, I'd be lying if I said I'm not concerned about the last couple starts. Like, uh, is, the, is the book out on him now? Now he has to adjust back, like – What's going on here? Because he, he was dominant early on. Yeah. And uh, pro hitters are starting to you know figure a little bit, bit of things out. So I'm going to kind of take a step back from Tyler Miguel, kind of see what he's doing there. I'm going to go to old trusty, Mad Bum. I've picked him up in a couple leagues over the last few weeks. He, I, I, I said this last year when people were like, his velocity's down, all this stuff. And I said, one thing about Mad Bum, learning with him as a giant, 
his velocity was never ever that high to begin with. It was like low 90s. What Mad Bum is is a competitor, and he will learn how to pitch. He's not going to get embarrassed out there. I guess it's not his thing. And he's been battling injuries and stuff, and now you see him. He's pitching. He's not dominant every time out there, like strikeout-wise and blowing it by people, but he's pitching great. Is he going to have a sub-2 ERA? No. But I could re- realistically see like a low-3 ERA, which is outstanding. The whip will be great because he's not going to walk a ton of guys, and he's going to get you strikeouts. I'm going to go Mad Bum because, again, like we said with some other guys, like Cueto and company, He's going to go five or six plus every start unless he gets blown up. So I'm going mad bum on this one. Yeah, I think that's really important that you talk about. Again, we're talking about ratios, right? So I, I think you're, you know, he's probably not going to get a lot of wins. He's not an 11, you know, K per nine type of arm. But, you know, can he pitch out of damage? Yes. Um, so I, I like him. I also do like the other Diamondback on this list. Yeah, I mean, I think people too. forget that, you know, Merrill Kelly was coming off of um, – he had uh, the thoracic outlet surgery, um, and it took a, a while for him to to get feel of all his pitches back. Uh, the cutter has been a big pitch for him um, in the way that it impacts the other pitches in the repertoire. Um, he's been a guy that's been on my, on my radar for a while now. I think, you know, he gets overlooked because of uh, the Diamondback situation. Uh, so he's another guy I, w- I would think about rostering, but I think the, the blow-up starts, the Johnny Cueto type starts that you're talking about are going to be there. I'm not as into Bubik. Um, I know that he recently said he just started throwing harder, um, like made the decision to start throwing harder that I guess, you know, maybe he was too cautious. And I know a lot of people will probably mock that and be like, well, why wasn't he throwing harder from the start? And I think, you know, with starting right. pitchers, you know, they're trying to A, think about their location and they're also be trying to think about longevity right if you're if you're going a hundred percent from inning one your chances of doing that through inning six and seven are slim so if you're trying to pitch deep into a start you're not going to throw full out and maybe he just decided screw it i'm going to throw full out um and that's great um and he has had some you know prospect pedigree in the past I, i just I guess I'll I, I, if I'm if I'm wrong I'm wrong. Yeah. Um. But I'm gonna I'm gonna let that I'm gonna let him figure it out on somebody else's roster. Yeah. I think he's he's streamable from time to time, but you know those blowups are coming and it's gonna be rough. It's gonna be really rough. Um. We'll see the good starts and the bad where you can kind of take your gambles with these other guys. And you you made a great comment there because people are like, why do you decide to throw hard now? Well, you go throw ten pitches hard and go throw hundred pitches hard and tell me which one's better for you. Like yeah. it's, it's it's such a different animal. People that didn't play baseball don't like understand these things that like not everyone's Justin Verlander that throws harder in the ninth inning. It's, right. it's just it's not human, basically, what's going on there. And that's why you see so many guys that used to be starters transition to the bullpen and all of a sudden get like six miles an hour velocity and they look like lights out closers. That's just ask John Smoltz about that. Like he was the, like he's like even the old school examples. Now we see it all the time. It's it's a different world, people. Like you can't just go, oh, I want to throw hard because I can throw hard. Like your right. arm is not the natural throwing motion is not over the top. Let's just put it that way. And if you're trying to pitch a full season too, right? Yeah. Like it, it takes a while money, to recover people. from trying, that. They don't care about us. They're trying to make right. money. <laughs> they need their careers. Yeah. Um, I did want to ask because you said you were taking a step back from Tyler McGill. Are you keeping him on your roster and just keeping him on the bench, or are you moving on fully from him? Right now, he's still on my my bench. Like I, I'm too stubborn to let him go because we've seen what he can do. Like he was just unbelievable early on, yeah. and I'm wondering, like, can it be just one minor thing? It's like, is it because Jacob Degrom's brilliance isn't in the dugout to go talk to the kid? Like, what's going on here? Because the last two starts have been horrific, like really yeah. bad, really bad stuff. 
He's still getting the strikeouts, which is a plus, but he's just leaving it very hittable right now. So I'm going to hope there's time to change that. He's another one of the young kids that he's going to pitch every day time out there. So you got that going for you. But I, I have not dropped him yet. If he goes and throws another dud this week yeah. and there's another good good arm I need, he's one of the closer ones to get dropped, though. Let's put it that way. I agree. I, I'm still holding him. I'm not ready to drop him. He's a curious case because, you know, he kind of came out of nowhere in a sense. I mean, his 2019 for the Mets wasn't particularly good. I mean, you know, he was an eighth-round pick. He had um, a good, you know, first couple of years in the minors. Uh, but it wasn't like he was setting the world on fire prior to, you know, the shutdown last year. And then he came out of, you know, 2020 and was great in double-A this year was good in, you know, the three starts in AAA this year, um, and then ha- ha- was great early on in the minors. So we don't really know what happened in 2020 and the alternate site and what types of, you know, growth he made and, and changes. Um, but I, I'm curious if this is maybe, you know, big 26-year-old kid pitching a little bit out of his head early on, and maybe he does settle to be, you know, the 377 arm he was in AAA, the guy around for ERA, who, who really knows? It is it is something to keep an eye on. And there's a couple things on him also. Like, you, you go to his StatCast page, he was the 23rd prospect in the Mets system, so that tells you he wasn't, like, high up there. And just a quick glance, I'm not going to do a super dive right now, but I always look like, what, did they change what, how they're approaching the, their pitching? And over the last couple of games, his changeup rate went way up and his slider rate went way down. So I'd like to know what caused that. And all of a sudden, he started throwing a curveball out of nowhere. So that those two those two major changes, a changeup up, slider down, and a curveball out of nowhere yeah. makes me wonder if like he's trying new things and it's a bad idea right now, or if there's something else going on where he's like, I don't have a feel for my fastball. Maybe my arm's getting tired. I don't know. But something's not right, right and they got to fix it. Yeah, and I, and I love that changeup, so I'm not mad at him using it a lot, but it might be because other pitches don't feel right to him. Um, yeah. And then he's got one pitch and you know we see the results. Uh, the last pitching category is just part of this ongoing just conversation that makes you you know, want to bang your head against the wall, which is trying to find saves. Um, in particular, trying to find saves in guys that are under 50% rostered is, is pretty gross because anybody with a pulse who's getting saves right now tends to be picked up in a lot of formats. Um, but we do have a couple names uh, that I thought were interesting. So uh, over the last 30 days, uh, Alex Colomay, Back in the closes role has four saves. Uh, Kyle Finnegan uh, for the Nationals has three saves. Cole Sulser of the Orioles has two saves. And Dylan Flora of the Marlins has two saves. Are you are you actually going to pick up Alex Colome again? I did in TGFBI this past <laughs> week. Um, because, like, I, I, let me give, like, my Twitter response to all four of these and I'll explain <laughs> why. So, like, Alex Colome, I actually like what he's got because he's done it before. And there's no – like, he's the guy. That's a big thing these days because Taylor Rogers is hurt and no timetable, and they traded Robles. So, Colum is the guy. All four of those saves came in the last, like, 10 days. That's big. Finnegan's the guy in Washington. It's been shaky, though, so be careful. But I don't mind Finnegan. His ratios and strikeout ability is great. Solcer, that's a mess. Baltimore's a mess. He's probably their best reliever, but that puts him in high leverage spots. What I do like about Solcer, though, his ratios will be great. Big-time strikeout arm. Saves will be wishy-washy. Floros should be the closer in Miami, but you still might get some uh, some other uh, pieces in the way from time to time. So if I had to pick one, I want Coldeman because he's the experienced one. He's got the job for sure. I love everything about it. But my oh my, is it no fun chasing saves this year? 
it's been it's been brutal. Um, it's been terrible. I agree with you. I want no part of the Orioles. You know, I I thought I had some guys at one point. I saw you know Dylan Tate's ninety seven mile an hour sinkers, and I was like, maybe um, you know Finnegan. I I don't mind. I I think you definitely had Finnegan. I don't know the type of uh, saves that he's going to get there. I will say I, I agree with you. I think it's Floro's job. I know that Bender got the last save, but Finnegan had thrown three days in a row, was getting a break. I know that Floro's been getting hit around a little bit, and he's been fortunate, a lot of line drive outs, hard ground ball outs, things like that. Um, but, you know, I think that Mattingly tends to – seems like he tends to trust older relievers. Uh, Floro has been relatively good for most of the season – um, I think he'll be fine there. You know, if you look at the stats over the last 30 days, 193 ERA, 0.86 whip. Um, you know, and then I would just say you get to a point where, like, with your Cole Salsers of the world, mm-hmm. I'm just going to take a guy that may get a, ha- a couple of saves, but I trust, you know, the the ratios, the strikeouts. You know, go back to a Paul Sewell, to Kendall Graveman. Yeah. Um, you know, those types of dudes were like, they're pitching in high leverage innings. They might not be the closer, but we know that that means that can mean one or two saves here and there. And then the the other results are going to be good for you, regardless. Maybe a win of that. or two, too. Right. Maybe a win or two. Mm-hmm. Um, Bob, I want to leave with, with one question because we've talked a lot about categories. So, you're, you personally, at what point do you say, I know I need this category, but this player, just general player is too attractive to me for the potential upside that like, I just need to roster him. So like, for example, you know, one of the guys that everybody's talking right now, Carlos Hernandez on the Royals, right? We've seen the stuff. The results have been pretty good, not eye popping, but we've seen the overall upside. So at what point do you decide, you know what? I'd rather chase upside than the Madison Bumgarner's, and, you know, Miguel Sano's and Colton Wong's of the world? I would say a lot of that's ratio dependent. Like if you're on a team that you're comfortable in ratios um, and you, I mean you're doing well in ratios, go get a Bumgarner. If you're on a team where your ratios are kind of shot and you said earlier on that uh, it's hard to make up ground ratios, it's 100% true. Like I, when I'm making waiver wire moves, I rarely even look at, oh, this guy can gain me two points in a whip or whatever. Like I, I don't even – or batting average. I don't look at it that hard. Um, then I'll go with the, the Hernandez's of the world. I'll go with those younger guys like Tanner Houck, stuff like that. Like, hey, this guy can go out there and throw a ton of strikeouts and maybe sneak me some wins. But we know they're young and craziness can happen, and this could get ugly quick. Like, that's just how it's yeah. going to go. So um, I, I think the biggest caveat to me would be how do I feel with my ratios and am I okay taking a hit or not? And that's how I'll look about it because, like I said, I picked Mad Bum up in a couple leagues. I have Hernandez in a couple leagues. It just kind of depends on a uh, team-to-team basis. But – it's, it's an interesting one because we always want the shiny new toy. Like I said earlier, Abraham Toro, I want on all my rosters. I don't think I have money. any. So yeah. it's it, it's tough. Like you want these guys, but you got to make d- disciplined moves, especially when you have a lot of fab to play with. Yeah, I'm glad you brought up Hauk too because there was a lot of like outrage when he got sent down um, after the double header. But it was important to realize he was up as the, as the 27th man. So he was always going to get sent down. I still believe as a, as a Red Sox fan, that's his spot in the rotation. I mean, you know, they've said Martin Perez is in the bullpen already. I know that Sale is coming back. Garrett Richards is not long for that rotation. Um, he just hasn't been pitching well. So I know that everybody's kind of like fear, infuriated by the up and back of Tanner Houck. I wouldn't worry too much about it. I think he's in that rotation for the stretch run. 
Um, and yeah, I think your your point is really good. The restraint is crucial here, um, you know. And I think you also need to take a you need to you know realistically say what are my chances, right? If me picking up these points and strikeouts, if me picking up these points and home runs, RBIs can realistically, and we come back to that word realistically, give me a shot at winning, then I'm going to make the move that that best helps my chances. If it's a total shot in the dark, right? If, if it seems improbable, then again, fantasy baseball is meant to be fun. Yep. So if it's a shot in the dark for you to climb all the way up to first and you really like you know, Josiah Gray, who's on your wire, you really like Carlos Hernandez, who's on your wire, you know, take the guy, take the guy that you have belief in or faith in, and you want to see what happens because it's, you know, those are the ones where like, maybe you moved up to fourth place or third place, you know, but then you saw that guy go off on another person's team and you're like, well, I, I, I didn't even win. And now I didn't get to enjoy, like, I knew that guy was going to be good. Yeah, one one thing I'll say is, um, first off, if like you're towards the bottom of the standings, go get go have fun, go get those guys. Like, screw it. Like, maybe you move up to seventh or eighth. That's awesome because you're fighting. You prevented someone from else getting a free pick. Like, it, there's a lot of great parts to that. But secondly, um, I believe it was Scott Pianowski, one of one of the veterans of the game. It was him or one of the other guys that had been around forever. Smart minds. Um, they've said it best. If you're not taking risks and you're not making mistakes, you don't deserve to win anyways because you're not trying. Like, you're going to make mistakes. You can't be scared to do that. Like I said, I dropped Jaron Duran twice, and I am expecting him to go off. Like, I can see yeah. it coming a mile away. I've picked up other guys this year and dropped them. I, I've told stories on if any show I've been on that a few years back when Matt Carpenter went off, oh, I dropped them before he went off. And mm-hmm. that was a very long season watching that year happen where he nearly won the MVP. So it's going to happen. It happens to everybody, but you have to take those chances. Otherwise, you're just going to sit in last place, and there's no fun yeah. in that. And we talked about it the last episode with Toby, where we, you know, we were obviously kind of go- talking about the Vlad Guerrero Jr. you know tour of shame that he goes on. But the idea is, you learn from the mistakes that you make. You take those chances. You see what happens, and you make better decisions in the future. And I've told Toby many times, it's like, hey, we all know he's one of the best players out there. Like he's super smart. Yeah. He has a process. The process is very, very successful. I wouldn't change the process just because Vlad went off. Because right. let's list the other ninety guys that you got right. Like, like, yeah. it's, it's just funny because he plays it up so well. Because Vlad's just unconscious right now. But right. Um, like, there, there's, there's, you're, you're never going to be right on everybody. There's always no. a guy you're wrong on. So never. It, it just happens to be the best player in baseball right now. But <laughs> yeah, it's just the way it goes. No, you're gonna, you're never going to hit on it. Yeah. You're never going to hit on everybody. It's okay to make those, those missed calls, and you just kind of like learn and grow from it. Exactly. Um, so, Bubba, tell everybody one last time where they can where they can read your stuff and check out your your content. Yeah, I'm on uh, Twitter at bdentrick e n t r e k. Just follow me there. I'll tweet out everything multiple times. My written content is at rotoballer.com. DFS five days a week. Uh, NFL DFS coming up. I'll have season long in the off season just to keep my uh, you know what keep my whistle wet. And then I got MLB DFS quickets Monday through Friday to, to preview the main slates for you. Uh, Benched with Bubba podcast Tuesdays and Thursdays for your season long fantasy baseball. Much more. So just check me out on Twitter at BDNTrick. And uh, we really appreciate you coming on. Always a lot of uh, good, clear, actionable information from you, which I always appreciate. Um, You can find me on Twitter at SamskiNYC. You can also find my work on rotoballer.com. I do a weekly catchers to stream article on Sunday, and then I'm always putting out some some pitcher breakdown videos and um, just some generic content during the week, uh, waiver wire pickups, stuff like that. Um, as always, download, rate, and review the podcast. 
Let us know how we can make it better. Uh, check out Bench with Bubba on Tuesdays and Thursdays. Um, and have a good rest of your night. Bye.